1: Hello, and welcome to the HR Chat Podcast. I'm Pauline James, founder and CEO of Anchor HR, and it's my pleasure to be your pod host today, along with David Krillman, CEO of Krillman Research. We're partnering with the HR Chat Podcast on a series to help HR professionals and leaders navigate AI's impact on organizations, jobs, and people. In this episode, we talk to three experts from the HR vendor community about how they use AI. We'll start with Mike Bollinger, Mike is Global VP of Strategic Initiatives at Cornerstone On Demand, one of the world's leading talent experience platforms. Mike's worked in both Cornerstone's Thought Leadership and Advisory Services Group and also founded the Cornerstone People Research Lab. Welcome, Mike. Can you share how Cornerstone is using AI in its products and services and also where you're at with this adoption? Are you exploring? Are you piloting? Are you embedding?
2: What's really important to remember for us is we have a long heritage of embedding AI inside the product. In 2014, we created a platform-level recommendation engine, and we used big data to create the foundation for the skills ontology that we have now and the detection engine that goes with that. So that was early stage 2014, 2015, and we've continued to build on that. In 2016, we started doing that in a collaborative filtering way for learning-based recommendations. 2017, we were starting with AI content curation, which we've continued forward now. We have something known as Content Studio, which allows you to curate two targets, target groups, target individuals, target kinds of topics, and present those back. In early 2020, we created this contextual learning inside the flow of work through Teams and Slack and Zoom and those kinds of things. And then when we released the talent experience platform, we built that against what we call an intelligent tech fabric with these things embedded in it so that we can classify content with artificial networks and represent these from a transformative perspective. And then as we move forward in what we're doing now, it's semantic search and predictive analytics. We've all talked about analytics from a descriptive and prescriptive perspective, and those have always been sort of the nirvana. But then the next step is, what's the prescriptive around that? It's important to know that we've had that heritage for a long time. With that said, we're very intentional about what we're going to use it for moving forward. And I think of it as, how do you augment those experiences? And everybody talks about moments that matter. I like the word moments of relevance. When there's a moment of relevance, what can you do for an individual and not just for the individual, but that shared mission between the individual and the organization? In the moments of relevance, how do you personalize the coaching? How do you tailor the recommendation? How do you assign dynamically and then check that back against the skills? Those are things that we're doing. How do you enable that when it comes to creativity and the predictive insights that we talked about and the prescriptive insights? And I see skills as we're using it now as a mechanism to not only democratize that personalization, but create DEIB kinds of outcomes. And then finally, the other thing that's really important about intentional AI is we're very mindful of some of the things that you want to do around keeping human in the loop and making sure that privacy and security are not compromised, recognizing that there's always bias in a particular model. We we can talk about that if you like but accountability and transparent ability. Some of the things in our focus are on the continued focus on skills validation and assessment, coaching, co-pilots along a variety of mechanisms, adaptive course experience, even more than what we normally expect, like a SCORM course or something like that. How do you adapt as people learn about the content themselves? How do you regenerate and create inline tests? One of the best examples of AI that I've ever seen is a TED Talk by Saul Khan. I encourage the listeners to go out and watch that TED Talk. It will make you very positive about the future. Finally, dynamic goals and reviews. These are all things that are baked into the platform. And as we move more and more in this direction, and again, with that long heritage, we have lots and lots of adoption of the individual pieces. The recognition here is that we have an intelligent tech fabric that does these things. And so as a Cornerstone customer, you get that intelligent tech fabric, and it's being
3: presented to you in a seamless way. It's great to see the good things you've done with AI. What is your view about the risks? Okay, risks first.
2: Look, there's several risks. One of the things that I'm always mindful of, there's pace here. I think chat GPT became the fastest 100 million adoption ever up until then. I think it was Pokemon Go. So there's a pace of change here that we need to be mindful of. That's a risk. The other thing is that I'm reminded of any technology sufficiently advanced as appears to be black magic. We need to be mindful of that. But with that, we also need to be mindful of the fact that the risks are real if you think about it from a privacy and security perspective, that's a risk. Think about it from a bias perspective. We can say all we want that we're baking bias out of it the best we can with clarity and so on.
1: Okay, so we've discussed potential downsides. What are the upsides that excite you?
2: I mentioned the TED Talk with Saul Kahn on the Khan Academy. As I watched that, and remember, I have a K-12 background and I worked for a talent development provider in have for years, but I walked away enthused. So that's the first, if there's one thing you all do, go watch that TED talk and walk away feeling really positive. But there's opportunities beyond education, healthcare, it can be used to diagnose, we're already doing that, and interactive chatbots that can help with self-care. One of the things you may or may not know is that as we go through viral and vaccination kinds of things, AI is actually solving for those faster and faster. And we're actually broadcasting them around the world with 3D viral printers so that the vaccines can be deployed even faster. That's a cool thing. Transportation, obviously, despite the Lyft prediction about automatic driving cars, you're gonna see more and more of that.
1: That's great to hear. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us and to share your insights.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the HR Chat Podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, We'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And now, back to the conversation. David, what do we want to dig into next?
3: I'm looking forward to hearing from Ben Zweig. Ben's a prominent figure in the intersection of data science and human resources with a PhD in economics, specializing in labor economics and economic development from the uh, CUNY Graduate Center. He's currently serving as CEO of Revelio Labs, which is an organization that supports the convergence of data science and HR. So Ben, welcome to the show. There's been enormous excitement about AI in the past six months. What do you think the immediate impact of that's going to be on an organization and has anything surprised you?
4: There's a few segmentations. There's robotics and like robotic process automation, and that's really been around for a while. And that's making manufacturing and shipping and all this stuff a lot more efficient. That kind of been around. And then there's generally machine learning, the idea of doing prediction really well and easily and cheaply. That has also been happening for a long time and just starting to kind of percolate into people's day jobs, I think slower than we'd expected. But now in the most recent months, there's generative AI. And that really is the next big frontier. There's some ways where we can think of generative AI as distinct and unique from machine learning and from robotic process automation. And they do end up making people more productive, but with a pretty long lag, but ultimately do transform the way that people operate in their roles, the way people do their jobs, not so much displacing jobs, but really transforming jobs. So the thing that is surprising is the types of groups that are adopting AI in the most recent months. We did some research on where this is showing up the most in texts of postings and requirements is really in HR, actually, and in sales. And I think that's really because in a lot of roles within those broader groups, there is a lot of copy that needs to be written. So that's where generative AI can be most productive. If you are a recruiter who is drafting custom emails or job descriptions, or if you're in learning and development and have to create a course description, Or if you're in sales and need to write a proposal or statement of work or something like that, you can get a head start by using tools like ChatGPT to automate some of the more boring and tedious parts of the job. Once in a while an event series is
3: born that shakes things up, it makes you think differently, and it leaves you inspired. That event is Disrupt HR. The format is 14 speakers, 5 minutes each, and slides rotate every 15 seconds. If you're an HR professional, a CEO, a technologist, or a community leader and you've got something to say about talent, culture, or technology, Disrupt is the place. It's coming soon to a city near you. Learn more at DisruptHR.co.
1: I know that much of Revelio Lab's work leverages an AI-generated job taxonomy, which can have a profound impact on what has been historically incredibly labor-intensive work for HR departments. Can you tell us more about that?
4: For sure. I remember when I was at IBM, there was this team that created the job taxonomy within IBM. This was a team of like four or five people whose jobs it was to just maintain the taxonomy of jobs. And at the time... There was this new role called blockchain engineer, and no one had any idea what that meant. So you have some guy, I won't mention names, but just calling people and saying, Hey, what is this job? How should it be bucketed? How should it be categorized? And even the people that we spoke to didn't really know how to explain it. And then some human has to make a call about where it should be. But then let's say it's the right call. Probably not, but let's say it is. Even in that case then two years later, do you revisit? Do you say, how is this job different from what I initially assessed? Probably not. You have taxonomies of jobs like ONET, for example, that take a long time to update because they're dependent on human experts. And human experts can't continuously update as the economy transforms. But the world of text, the corpus of text is always changing. It's a very fluid corpus. So if you wanna see how customer success manager is different today than it was four years ago, you can do that just automatically, mathematically. That's something that I think would be very difficult for humans to do. This whole idea of creating a fluid taxonomy is just something that the world hasn't really had before.
1: In light of these new advances and AI technologies, what is your advice for HR? It's a great
4: question. I think in the short term, my recommendation would just be to get your hands dirty. Just try a bunch of stuff. And in every process, just think, where can this be used? Where can this be used more to automate certain activities or improve certain processes or get ideas out there and really empower the workers who know their jobs very well to try to get creative and try to improve their own jobs. In the medium term, I think there's a few considerations that I think organizations need to be careful about. One is this fear over automating certain roles or certain people. I think creating the right incentive structure so that people feel empowered to innovate and save time will, I think, be important so that people don't feel like, oh, if I automate my job, then I'm out of work. They don't want to automate themselves out of the job. But we need to like create a structure where people feel like there's rewards for greater productivity, not punishments. So I think that's something to be sort of careful about. The other is, I think there will need to be certain new jobs being added, which can use this technology in a more scalable way. So let's say a recruiter or hiring manager wants to put together a job posting. They can do that by putting in some blurbs into ChatGPT and copying and pasting. But if you want to automate, if you want to do this for... 10,000 jobs at a time, or if you want to do this for all your contracts, if you want to embed this into a process, there's some engineering that still needs to happen. You need someone who can interact with the APIs that these softwares use. And I think from my experience, they're not quite ready for everyday use. They're still a little clunky and still need some engineering and some cleaning and, and some guidance from people who... Can both understand what they're trying to do, but also interact with APIs and write code. It'll be important to have at least some people who can interact with this technology through their APIs, interact with AI tools.
1: Can you share your perspective on whether you see AI eliminating a lot of jobs?
4: I think part of the reason why we haven't seen a lot of technological unemployment, jobs typically don't get displaced by technology. And the reason why that happens to be the case is because technology doesn't get absorbed into companies so quickly. So there is a lot of time for people to adapt and change their roles and change their responsibilities. It's not like you have a technology and bam, everyone's out of work. It takes years for these things to trickle through the organization and get embedded into processes. And by that time, there's just more opportunity for absorption and the creation of new tasks. So I think this slowness kind of impedes productivity, but does help the labor market absorption of of this technology.
1: Thanks, Ben. To wrap up this segment, we spoke to Dr. Jarek Conrad. Jarek is Vice President of the Human Insights Team at UKG, and also serves as the Executive Director of the Workforce Institute at UKG. He is a sought-after speaker on employee health and wellness, the future of work, emotional intelligence, and workplace diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging and author of two best best-selling books, including In Search of Humanity, Why We Fight, How to Stop, and the Role Business Must Play. Welcome, Jarek. I hope that you enjoy being a part of the HR Chat podcast. We are interested in AI, and in particular, whether you've made progress on building AI into UKG's products and or services.
5: Yeah, I know. It's funny. All the talk now is around Gen AI, Gen AI. We at UKJ have actually been using AI for quite a while. We have an HR service delivery product that makes the employee self-service easy. It's based on a lot of AI. We have a retention predictor that gives leadership a sense of, eh. if we keep going down this path, this person is likely not to be here over the next six months or so. So you better take some actions now. And speaking of actions, we try for our uh, processes to provide leadership actions. And so AI is on the back end to alert leaders when you might want to operate a little bit differently here and there. Maybe our best example is our employee voice product. This does a sentiment analysis. Maybe I'm a little partial to this because part of that 25 years I've studied HR, emotional intelligence has been a real focus of mine. And I love this product because we know that people are not always great in some aspects of emotional intelligence. One of the most significant dimensions of EI is to be able to read people well. Some managers just can't do that. They might possess the capacity to be empathetic, but they can't recognize when is it the time for me to do this? You know, when do I start to demonstrate these skills? A tool like employee voice allows employees to put in what they think, how they feel. Machine learning, natural language processing is in the background, pulling out what that sentiment is. So the manager can kind of understand now and read employees. They can improve their emotional intelligence, so to speak, with the use of AI. This is a good point, too, that I wanted to make at some point today. I guess now is a good time as any for us. This is not about how do we use AI to replace people and replace jobs and all this. This is how do we augment what we're doing as human beings? And in this case that I've presented with voice, how do we make us even better at something that is uniquely human? That's empathy. So it's trying to provide some science so that we can more consistently show up and make the kind of connections we can with our employees. We don't think about it as eliminating people. We think about it as how do we help? make people better? How do we help improve the connections that, particularly with a manager and his
3: or her employees? Well, what might you have done prior to having AI for employee voice? I'm interested in the before and after because I love the idea of giving managers a hand at being more emotionally intelligent. So maybe you can describe what we used to do in the pre-AI days. You're giving me nightmares and
5: flashbacks. What we used to do were we give these surveys and then you'd have people like me who was uh, first an intern, then an early on in my HR career. So I would draw the lucky straw that I got to sit down now and I got to go through all of this free form text and I got to try to read things. What does this mean? What's the, let's put these in there. And so we get in conference rooms and for hours, we would be trying to decipher what employees might be telling us in a survey that we put out. And there was not a whole lot of science involved in that. We probably weren't very accurate. We certainly weren't fast. And we had our own biases in terms of how we read it, what this word might mean to me versus what this word might mean for you. And so we spent a lot of time, and I don't know that we were actually getting the voice of the employee right. we getting the voice of the employee as interpreted through my eyes and somebody else's eyes. Now, I feel sorry. I know that we probably have some folks on the call that may not be using those tools yet. They may be still going through that manual process. So I commiserate with you. I understand it. But certainly that's one place where I think we have a solution that can help make that process a lot better.
1: Just building on that, I'd be interested to hear your overall thoughts on the opportunities and risks associated with AI, considering both where the technology is at at present and also how it's evolving.
5: I probably shouldn't say this because I work for a tech company, but I am not an early adopter kind of person, a lot of tech. Because I study psychology and sociology and all these important things, the human connection is really important to me. And so I'm always skeptical uh, when some of these things are introduced. So let's put that aside, that I'm a natural skeptic. But when you get beyond... Okay, we got to control for what are we losing as a result of implementing these tools. I know we can talk about that. But once you get beyond controlling for that, man, the opportunities are immense. Wow. I mean, just the idea, you can do so many things at scale now with these tools. We can have thousands of employees and it'd be very difficult for leaders to try to understand who people are. How do we reach them where they are along their unique journey? And so we have proxies for that. We make up these boxes. Maybe our women are like this. Our men are like this. Our African-American people are like this. Our people who are Gen Zers are like this. And none of those are accurate. They're just kind of approximations based on aggregate data. With these tools now, we have a chance to develop internally for our employees this customer-grade experience where I really get to know you as an individual and can start to provide the kind of interventions or services or whatever it is that you need. For me, that is an exciting aspect of it. A lot of the things that we know are important, we just don't have a mechanism to do them at scale yet, or at least we haven't. But now technology is going to help with that. But again, for me, there are three questions that you have to ask with all this stuff. Can we do it? Should we do it? And if we are going to do it because we can do it and we think it's the right thing to do, how do we do it? So that it's ethical, it's appropriate, and it is adhering to those values that we hold dear. I think all that's really important, and sometimes that gets lost in the excitement about this new stuff. And let's jump and let's start making it happen. Let's make sure we have the foundation right first.
1: We've covered a lot of ground, but I think the clear takeaway is that HR technology vendors are moving fast and bringing AI to HR tools.
3: Yes, and they were all thoughtful about doing it in a responsible way.
1: We've got a lot more great content on AI to come, so stay tuned for more on the HR Chat Podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to the HR Chat Show. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe and listen to some of the hundreds of episodes published by HR Gazette. And remember, for what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com.